As athletes, we love to win. It's in our blood. Whenever we step onto the court or onto the field, we should expect to win because, I mean, that's why we play. But after we're finished with playing, what happens to that mindset, that winning mindset? Should we just not expect to win anymore in this life? Well, not if our guest today has anything to say about that. Today, we get to talk with Jason Palmisano, founder of Win Your Days, certified high-performance coach, and former University of North Carolina Tar Heel football player. In short, Jason helps men specifically get out of bad situations and get control of their lives by using many different helpful ways, including relating our lives to sports. During our discussion today, you will see two things right off the bat, how motivating Jason is and also how passionate he is about winning our days. And you may ask, what does it mean to win your days? How can I get out of this constant battle with myself and my mind and with losing? What's my life outside of sports even about? Well, stick around and learn from one of the brightest minds on this subject. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we get to talk to Jason Palmisano. Jason, thank you so much for coming on today, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, my goodness, Ken. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for today's conversation. I, as we kick it off today, I wanted to give some background for our listeners out there on you uh, and, and your sports background along with your Christian background. So can you just tell us some background about you in sports and as a Christian in sports? Yeah, absolutely. Grew up playing sports, uh, any sport you can imagine, just love playing. And by the time I got to high school, narrowed it down to two, track and football. And uh, also growing up, Mom brought me to church. The church, the denomination that we were a part of, didn't emphasize uh, relationship. So it didn't emphasize a relationship with Jesus. So my my introduction or walk, if you can call it that, was really transactional with God. So I went to church and expected God to do something for me. God, I'll do something for you, then you do something for me. And I just felt like, well, if I go to church, certainly I'll play better on the field. I mean, that's what was important to me. Uh, Of course, it doesn't work like that, but that was the extent until I played ball at the University of North Carolina and they recruited me to play wide receiver over there. And I was a freshman. We were scrimmaging. I ran a little curl route over the middle. Our quarterback, interestingly enough, was Mark May. Mark's son, Drake, is now the quarterback at the University of North Carolina. So it's kind of fun watching the Tar Heels play because I get to see Drake and he is tearing it up. His name is in the Heisman hunt. And uh, so I played with it. So Mark Mark throws me the ball. I make the catch. And that was the last thing I remembered, Ken. (laughs) Our inside linebacker, Brett Rudolph, huge dude, great guy. But he put his helmet right in the side of my temple, knocked me completely out. First thing that hit the ground was my head. Feet were way up in the air. And and that was my first of three concussions. There was, Ken, there was no rule back then of helmet to helmet, right? It was just a free-for-all. And so I got the snot knocked out of me. And uh, a buddy of mine who was working with Athletes in Action came to my dorm room that night and said, Hey, Jason, if you never would have woke up from that hit, 
where would you be? Are you 100% sure you'd be with Jesus? And uh, Mike had been talking to me about the Lord. And, you know, so I was kind of, you know, I was ready and I had no idea. Of course, like I said, grew up in church, but it was all transactional. And that was the day that Mike led me to Christ. And I was 18 years old. I was sitting in Morrison dorm room, University of North Carolina. And so really that was my introduction to uh, really college football and to Jesus. Wow. How was college athletics after that hit? Was it, were you still like able to play all throughout your, throughout the four years or no? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still played. Now I didn't play all the years. So uh, Coach Crum was the coach that recruited me. Then Mac Brown, who's uh, and those of you who are listening to this and sports fans, you'll probably know who Mark uh, Mac Brown is. But he came on his first stint there, uh, University of North Carolina. Then went and turned the whole program around. Got ranked number five in the country. Then he went off to Texas. Now he's back at Carolina, and uh, old Mac Brown's turning the program around again. But I played a couple of years there, transferred, lost a year in my transfer and went over to the University of Central Florida. They also had recruited me and played there my final year and uh, really got serious about the Lord as I was leaving North Carolina and heading over to the University of Central Florida. But yeah, went ahead and played my, all of my college uh, eligible years. Hmm. So as a, as a former college athlete, obviously, how were you able to prioritize your faith as a Division One athlete? I mean, there's so many things that, that came at you as a D1 athlete, I'm sure, and just as an athlete in general. How did you prioritize that faith? Yeah, for me, Ken, it was a process. Um, it, uh, it, you know, it's, it's like, how, how, how does a tree become a tree? Well, you got to put a seed in the ground, and then the seed has to cease being a seed in order for it to transform into the tree. So it's quite a process and you can't rush the process. For some people, that process of becoming more Christ-like happens quickly uh, and for others a little bit more slowly. I don't know where I fit in that, but I know it was a few years for me to, um, I I mean, I started growing. I, I think if you put yourself in the environment that facilitates growth, and certainly the guy who knocked me out, Brett Rudolph, our quarterback, Mark May, one of our defensive backs, Derek Donald. Some of those guys took me under their wing when I came to know Christ, took me to Bible study. I started being discipled. So that growth path started. But at first, I can't say that Jesus was a priority in my life. It just, you know, I just cared about sports too much. I was there to play ball. And um, my identity was wrapped up in sports. And no matter what your, so that's where, so your identity is where you're getting your worth and your value from. And uh, regardless of you know, a man or a woman, it whoever is, if you're putting your value and worth in something outside of yourself, outside of your faith, then you leave yourself to the mercy of uh, of the winds and the waves of the world. You know, if I play well, I feel good about myself. If I play bad, I feel bad about myself. And if, if the business deal doesn't go down, then I'm, you know, if your identity is wrapped up in the business or the money. You know, it, 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 then it's you're at the mercy of did the deal happen? Did the funds come in? Um, so for me, it was quite a process, and it wasn't really until the I transferred, uh, went through some more hard times, got to the University of Central Florida, surrounded myself with some believers, and I uh, got involved with a fellowship of Christian athletes, and uh, where my faith really uh, took root and I began to begin to grow. So it was a process. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the story for a lot of people. Um, you know, once you make that switch or that conversion to trust in Jesus, I hardly ever is it an overnight switch. You know, it's always a process. And still today, I mean, I am still learning that process every single day, as I'm sure, you know, you are. How did, how did you prioritize that throughout the entirety of your life after, after that? Because, you know, obviously you have your faith in, in sports, but you need to have it throughout every facet of your life. How'd you do that? Yeah, I think it's an identity shift for sure. So uh, a man becomes what he thinks about most. The Bible says it like this, um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, you know, and that's what you become. And so I think a man and a woman, and and, and Ken, I, I might say men a lot because I, I work strictly with men and that's not to discount women. I think, you know, on, on the Competing for Christ podcast, I think it's 60% female or the listeners. So I'm so thankful for that. Um, but I, I think that we need to anchor our identity and have a vision for our lives. And normally the vision is attached to the identity and the identity is attached to the vision. And so what's the vision for life? And I knew like, okay, at some point, everybody's career ends. At some point, you hang up the helmet, you put away the pads, right? You, you, you put the cleats away, but it's not so in the game of life. And every man, every woman listening to this, every man, every woman walking the planet, they're a multi, multi-sports athlete in the game of life. And I believe the biggest stadium a man will ever play in is a stadium of his own life. And, uh, and, you know, we think, we think uh, Ken, we think the Super Bowl is a big stadium, and it certainly is, but four hours later that game ends everybody goes about life as usual but not so in the game of life we're still playing it it's decades and decades long and so you have to attach your your vision and your identity to something greater than the game and uh, for me that was that was my faith in Christ um, I wanted to be you know Jesus says you're a runner you're a wrestler uh, you know you're 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 a, you're a boxer in this game of life so we're we're playing for the head coach. I mean, he's, Jesus is the greatest head coach ever to coach. He's written the greatest playbook ever written, the Bible, which tells us how to win in this game of life. And that's where I wanted to, that's where I wanted to follow. So my identity became in Christ and then my decisions followed that, who I hung around, the places I put myself in, the, the, you know. And so anyway, that's, that's how it worked for me. Yeah, the sports analogies that are in the Bible are just so crazy to see. And, you know, I'm doing this podcast, you realize how much uh, the you can relate the Bible to sports. And I think that's really, really cool for a lot of athletes. But Jason, you've had a really interesting journey to get where you are today, as we as we talked prior. How did you come up with the idea of win your days? And how did how did you know God was calling you to do this? That is that is quite a story, Ken. Now you're you're, you're unraveling a <laughs> holy cow. Where do I begin with this one? Um, you know, there was a so there was a time when I was on food stamps. Now, um, for for those of you listening, how many of you know that when you start something brand new, oftentimes it takes longer than you thought it would take to start it, and it's harder than you ever imagined it to be, right? And I'm talking about entrepreneurship when you start businesses or anything you start. You start a family. Holy cow. Um, so I had this idea of starting a business and it was really slow going and I went on food stamps. And now I'm, I'm a division one, you know, former division one athlete, four year degree, 
Uh, I'm married. Uh, my third or fourth child was just born at the time. And I'm on food stamps. And I'm delivering pizzas for Domino's. So as a man, I'm feeling like a, a, a failure. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm letting my family down. And I started getting involved in real estate and borrowed some money from my dad, try to get t- turn some things around. Ken, I was driving. One of my friends called me up. He says, Jason, I know you only have one car. I've got this little Chevy S10 pickup truck. It's old. It doesn't have AC. It's got those old crank down windows. He said, if you need a second car, I said, yeah, before he could finish. I'm like, yes, I'll take it. Got that little little F, uh, Chevy S10 pickup and I'm, I'm driving about an hour from our house because I got this, you know, uh, part of the business I was starting and I was on my way over and I'm driving through this very small town and I see a sign on the side of the road. Have you ever seen a sign that has been there so long that the paint is peeling off of it, right? Uh, and vines were growing on it, but it caught my curiosity and so I call on it. Turns out the sign was advertising that land for sale and it was an abandoned nine hole golf course. Couldn't even tell it was a golf course. So I come calling on this and the voice on the other line says, yeah, it's abandoned, abandoned nine hole golf course and it's zoned residential and whoever buys it can build homes on it. I'm like, wow, why? that's, but I don't even have two nickels together. I'm on food stamps. I can't pay for it with pizza, right? So so I thought, well, I got a buddy who might be interested in this and I called and let him know about it just to bless him. And sure enough, he calls, checks it, good deal. He buys it, calls me up. Jason, I'm going to make you an equal partner. I said, Dave, I don't have any money. He said, doesn't matter. You found the deal. Ken, long story short, we bought that with his money, held it for a year, and Next thing I know, we sold it to a developer and we get a check for into six figures. Now, when you're on food stamps and you get a check with that many zeros on it, you know what that feels like? feels like winning the lottery. Ken, what would you have done with that money? I, I don't know. At this point in my life, I have no idea. Invest it. Invest it, I'm sure. That's what I thought. I'm going to invest it. Problem is my financial IQ was so low I didn't know what to invest in. I made some poor decisions and a year later, I'd lost it all. So this is the second time now I've lost everything. And when you lose everything as a man, you, again, you feel like a failure. You feel like you're unworthy. You feel like, what's, you feel like something's wrong with you. And um, I needed to turn my life around. I needed to make start making some better decisions. And when you have the right system in place, things run more smoothly. And so I thought back in my playing days, my coaches always had systems. And when you have the right system, winning becomes a habit. And so I started doing certain things in my life, like always reflecting and assessing, where am I going next? Put together a game plan, execute that game plan, and that leads to winning. And that's really how I started coaching men in the great game of life. You know, in business, Ken, if you have the right system, does the business run more smoothly? 100%, right? Yeah, so in life, winning is just having the right system. And so that's what, I've, that's what I teach men. That's how I started Win Your Days, uh, is helping men win uh, with that system. 
So how have you seen God use this movement to help men take control of their lives? Because, I mean, I, I've, I've watched some of the videos. I've seen your website. I mean, it seems like men are, this is such a needed thing for men nowadays. How have you seen God just use that for his good? Yeah, so I think back on um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talks about in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Mm. So run to get that prize. And he says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I think there's two kinds of athletes in the game of life, right? As men and as women, there are some that are aimless, like Paul talks about. We're just running, running aimlessly. There's no plan. We only show up when we feel like it. We only train in this great game of life when we feel like it. We'll get in the Bible when I feel like it. I'll eat right. I'll get to the gym when I feel like it. Uh, but then Paul goes on, um, but I... I don't box like a boxer just beating the air. He says, no, I discipline my body so that in the end, I won't be disqualified for the prize. So there's a, he's very deliberate in his training. He's very deliberate in how he lives his life. And so there's the aimless athlete and there's the deliberate athlete. And the deliberate athlete is focused. The deliberate athlete is trustworthy. The deliberate athlete has a plan and he follows the plan, he executes it. And so the lives turn out completely different. And it all comes down to which athlete do you wanna be? Do you wanna be the aimless athlete or do you wanna be the deliberate athlete? And so when men come into my coaching program, we have this discussion. They're like, I wanna be the deliberate athlete. Okay, then here's how that looks in your life. Here's how that applies to your marriage. Here's how it applies to your finances and to your faith. And then we take, um, we take an assessment and they assess where they are in these major categories. And then after that assessment, we make a game plan. And then we execute that game plan so they begin winning in those areas. And uh, for example, one, one dad, uh, husband, father that I work with is um, one of his issues was that he just has trouble following through. Like he'll commit to something. Have you ever committed something to Ken and you're just like, I just didn't follow through on that, right? We all have, I have. We gotta work on that. So with him, it's adopting the mindset of a fast action taker. And the, once we started working on the mindset shift with being a fast action taker and how that applies to marriage and how that applies to him as a father and a businessman with his finances, he began to see these shifts in his life and his whole life turned around, uh, even to where it impacted his eight-year-old son. Uh, so so lots, of, lots of mindset shifts and identity shifts that lead to transformation. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, a lot of times, it's hard, it's so hard for people when they're in terrible circumstances and they don't know how to get out. How do you coach individuals and help them get out of these hard situations they're in and, you know, change the system rather than try to change who they are? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a law of polarity. It's how God set it up. And a lot of times, I think Harvard did a study, Ken. It was uh, on how people think and how 80% of people have a negative bent in their thinking. So they're always thinking um, throughout the day, 80% of their thoughts are negative. And uh, so, they're, so they're more um, not optimistic, but more pessimistic in their outlooks on things. And the law of polarity says that for every negative, there's a positive. For every positive, 
there's a negative. Uh, they, they cannot exist one without the other. And I got this from one of my mentors, Myron Golden. And uh, so he taught me this. He goes, yeah, and, and he'll say all the time, have you ever seen a one-sided piece of paper? Have you ever seen a one-sided coin? Have you ever seen a one-sided piece of bread? No, because when there's one side, there has to be the other side. They cannot exist one without the other. Uh, not that they don't exist, it's that they can't exist. So I want, I want men to see, and the ladies listening to this, for every negative that happens to you, there's a positive that's attached to it. Guess which one you get? You get the one you focus on. And so helping them shift their mindset to see the positive helps them get out of the very, whether they created the situation or whether it was something beyond their control that just came into their life, they're going to get either one. There's a negative side and a positive side, and they're going to get the one that they focus on and helping them see the positive navigates them out of that situation and elevates their existence. Is it different when an individual thinks that they're always losing or the world is always going against them? How did, how can they switch their mindset? I mean, the, the name of your organization is win your days. How do they, how can they switch that to winning instead of losing? Yeah, that's, and that's the magic question. Carol Dweck in her book, Mindset, talks about this very thing. People that think, well, that just, that won't happen to me. Um, that's the way I am because that's the way I always was or sit because this happened to me in the past, it's going to happen to me in the future. And they begin to project their past into their future. And Carol Dweck calls that a fixed mindset. You believe that your skill set that you have right now is the skill set that you're going to have forever. But Ken, let me ask you, can you do things today that you couldn't do two years ago? Do you know things today that you didn't know two years ago? Absolutely. I started the podcast two years ago. Right, right. You started in 2021, right? Yep. And so you've learned, you've grown, you've developed. People that have a fixed mindset have trouble getting beyond that because they, like John McEnroe, for those of you who, who are a little older in life like me, some of these listeners, Ken, they may not know who John McEnroe is or like Bobby Knight, coach at Indiana. Um, they were classic fixed mindset guys, right? With John McEnroe, it was never his fault. If a ball, if he, you know, if the, um, it was the umpire's fault, the umpire made a bad call or my hand was sweaty or some guy in the crowd made a noise. It was, it was always blaming something outside of himself. That's a fixed mindset. And so we've got to work through that fixed mindset. And one of the greatest ways to do that, because we are athletes in the game of life, we'll take uh, what's called performance imagery um, and visualization. And we'll begin to, instead of replaying the past, we will pre-play the future. And so that's what I help men do. Instead of continually projecting their past into the present, um, we, 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 by replaying the past, we pre-play their future. What do you want your future to be like? Here's how we need to think, and here's the habits we need to establish to get there. And that's what we focus on, not the past, but the future. And now, tying this back into Christian athletics, how can athletes remember that sports are very temporary compared to, you know, their entire lives. And I love the analogy of, uh, you know, the most significant stadium you can ever play in is the game of life. 
how can athletes remember that they're going to be in a stadium the rest of their lives? Yeah, so we just look around and see athletes retire all the time. And sometimes they get a career-ending injury and they're not able to continue. So it's just a constant reminder of we play the game for as long as we can and it's a blessing to play it. It's a blessing to be out on the court. It's a blessing to be out on the field. But then after that final whistle blows, we understand that, wait a minute, there's a greater game being played here. And it's, it's the game of life. And so if, if you look at life through the lens of an athletic event, and, and like I said, the Bible says we're runners, we're, we're wrestlers, we're boxers. Um, man, if you like fishing, Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I live on the east coast of Florida. This is like surfing capital. Uh, with you, you know, and 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 what, what happened to Paul when the boat was shipwrecked? Uh, it 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 broke apart. The Bible says, and they all grabbed boards and made their way to shore. It was the first surfers ever. That was I think it was when surfing was invented right there. So it's full, right? We're all athletes in this game, and I think if we looked at life not as competition against one another, but competition to bring the best of ourselves out. So men, what's the best you that can come out as a husband, as a father, as a businessman, as a man of faith, and we compete against ourselves? Part of the Win Your Days manifesto is um, that we believe in excellence and we refuse to be average and we believe our competition is not around us, but in us. It's me versus me, right? It's not me versus you. So just just looking at at life through the lens of, hey, this is a competition. Um, It's a fun competition. Uh, and I want to compete to be the best me in every area of my life. Yeah, and second, second Corinthians, I, I was reminded of the Second Corinthians four verse. It says, "For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are which are not seen are eternal." And I think that is uh, a really good analogy when you're talking about you know the stadium of an athlete compared to the stadium that is a figurative stadium of their life. Uh, and it's so important to just keep it in perspective. I think uh, whenever you're talking to an athlete or whether it's just a man or a woman, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, and what you're talking about there is what, how you're looking at life and all that starts in our mind. You know, it's interesting, Ken, the Bible never says renew your heart, right? In Ezekiel, Old Testament, the Bible says God gives us a new heart. He replaces this heart of stone with a heart of flesh, right? But the Bible never says renew your hearts because when you come to Christ, you're given a new heart. But the Bible says in multiple places to renew your mind. Renew your mind. That's right where the enemy attacks us and gets us to, we have these false beliefs and self-doubts to hold us back. And, uh, uh, but Paul says, renew the attitude of your mind in Ephesians chapter four. In Romans chapter 12, he's talking about um, you know, becoming made new by renewing your mind, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so a lot of, a lot of helping men win in life, love, and business is helping them continually renew, your, renew their mind. Because the enemy loves to remind you, Ken, of who he thinks you are. He loves to remind me of who he thinks I am. So it's so important as men, as women, in this great game of life to remind ourselves of who God says we are, who the head coach says we are, and to anchor our identity in that. 
Amen. Amen. And Jason, this has been unbelievable, unbelievable conversation. The last question I had for you today, how do you relate spiritual health to people's physical and mental health journey? Man, well, we're three-dimensional. Every person walking planet Earth is a three-dimensional athlete in this game of life. There's a body, there's a mind, and there's a spirit. And uh, Ken, you ever try to sit on a one-legged stool? (laughs) It's impossible. Two-legged stool doesn't work. Neither one of them work, right? You need all three legs. You need the, you need you need to train the body, the mind, and the spirit to be healthy. Um, and so and so the spirit part, I think, encompasses. Um, every, it's it's at the core heart of who the man, who the woman is, and everything else flows out of that. Um, what does what does Paul tell Timothy? For physical training is of some value. it's of value, right? You're in great shape. You're going to get more work done in less time, better quality of life. You're going to live longer. You're going to have a healthier life. You know, you can play with your kids, your grandkids, all that stuff. We ought to pay attention to our physical health. Um, Again, Paul says, renew your mind many times in the New Testament. So mental health uh, is is 100% part of the deal. But that verse goes on to say, but godliness is, is um, we'll see, for physical training of some value, but godliness has value for all times, for the present life and the life to come. So even spiritual training trumps all the rest. The three are the trifecta that work hand in hand. For a man, for a woman to fire on all cylinders, to be the best that they can be in the stadium of life, they gotta give attention to their spiritual, their physical, and their mental training. Wow. Wow. That is, that is good. I I couldn't even add anything else to that, Jason. I I really do appreciate your time today. Uh, What you're doing for the kingdom and for men all over is just so inspiring to me. So thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, you bet, Ken. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, for all of our listeners out there, please make sure to share this episode with one person. I don't care who it is uh, and subscribe to the show. It means more to us than you know. If you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you all next time.